Uh, Neil, Ben, this is Steve. Hello, hey. Steve. Hello. Hi. I was I was just telling Neil about about uh, my forty five ACP. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I'm guessing I'm the only guy with a gun here. Probably. Uh, Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Megatron, Neil does not like Beast Wars, so you need to lay into him. Oh. <laughs> Start it like this? Jesus. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Steve, hold, hold on, shut up, Ben. Steve, you gotta do it for him. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> I am the very model of a mother. No. No. What are you speaking of? Megatron, terrorize! I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. When we first talked to David Kay and I had Steve do his his impression of, of the Beast Wars Megatron, David Kay said, that's probably the best impression I've ever heard of it. <laughs> Outside of his own. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. <laughs> you know I had to do that, Neil, for all the Transformers back and forth we've had. Whatever show you like more than Beast Wars is complete and utter garbage. Hey, now, you're going way too far. <laughs> well, you crossed that line long ago. I'll melt you down into aluminum siding. Oh, yes, indeed. Well, now, can you do Can you do uh, Professor Xavier? I haven't watched that show. Oh, now, see, that's a shame. How about Bison? I don't know that. I don't watch that show. Oh, oh it's from uh, Street Fighter. Yeah, it's basically the same voice, it, except. Uh, I love I love how tidy they made his eyes of that animation, and his mouth is like four times as big as the rest of his head. I killed my parents too, but you don't hear me whining about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Neil! We have to, we have to, we have to touch back on that. Oh yeah, well, like I said, there was a reason that I kept the cartoons out of the video game discussion. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Street Fighter, the cartoon is based off of Street Fighter, the movie. Which is based on garbage. And then there was Street Fighter, the movie, the game. That's like redundantly garbage. <laughs> Actually, it is epic. It is epic. In the it's world. epic and it's fail. It, it, it has it has the actress for Cammy all oil, oiled up in baby oil in the Cammy outfit to do stop motion photography. That's the only reason to like that game. <laughs> <laughs> and it has Akuma in it. Yeah. Akuma rocks. Akuma and Matata? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Blasphemer. Crap Screamer! There you go, Steve. I, I renumbered them top and bottom, so top one to four and bottom one to four. And then the center image is just the center image. Alrighty then. Now that's a that's a DVD set we need is the mask DVD set for the Rob Paulson animated series. Yeah, it's uh, we, you did you did see the the mask Ace Ventura crossover, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know where it's been. So are we ready to go? I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? Sure. Yes. Oh my god. I can do that all through the show. Yes. No. I'm Batman. <laughs> Uh, you know, oh, stop. do the other one, Steve. The opposite of Batman. Oh, yes! <laughs> You're yeah. nothing but a boy in a play suit crying for mommy and daddy. People try to do Joker imitations, and 
like there was someone on the behind the voice actors website that tried to do a Joker imitation, and oh Steve, my god, it was that shit horrible. Steve had to rip them a new one because it was so horrible. <laughs> I'm not claiming to be the best, but that this guy was just ass. And the only Joker that Steve really does is the Hamill version. He doesn't do the Heath or the or the Nicholson version. Look at me. I do. The, Look at me. Yes, I, I do the true Joker. Oh wait, that's right. We have both Kermit the Frog here tonight because Neil does a Kermit and Steve does a Kermit. That's awesome. <laughs> Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. Wow, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> You little piggy. It's, it's like it's like Whitmire versus Henson. <laughs> it's time to start the Muppet Show. Yay! I mean, yeah. you know, on, honestly, in, in any role, Kermit, who can so. top the creators? I mean, yeah, that, that's a, that's like saying somebody's going to top uh, Hamill as the Joker. It's just not going to happen. I know people who still say who still swear on the Caesar. Well, I mean, that's live action. That's completely different. I, I could go back and forth with with live action, but the the fact remains that there's only one that's still with us on the live action, and there have been many on the. Oh, anime. Neil, we forgot to mention the Sega CD Batman video game, Adventures of Batman and Robin video game, because it has some segments of animation that was never in any episodes. Oh, Wait, well, where were we supposed to mention this? Oh, he's, ta- he's talking about the video game episode. Oh, okay. I was gonna yeah. say, what the hell. As, as, you know, Batman, you know, that he had an axe. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. All right. Oh, God. This this hurts still. Okay. <laughs> this can't hurt as much as Doomsday. But go ahead and start. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados, crossing over once more with Tooncast Beyond. We are continuing our series going through the DC animated original movies. I am, of course, your host, Ben, and we're joined by my co-host, I have summoned you here for a purpose. And we also have with us the host of Tooncast Beyond, TDFG1 Mike. Hello. And the co creator of the Geekcast Radio Network, Steve Megatron. (laughs) Yes. And tonight we're talking about uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. Oh, come on. Be excited. Oh, this movie rocks. Well, let me, let me, let me start. Let me start from the beginning. This is an adaptation of a graphic novel by Jeff Loeb, drawn by Ed McGuinness. And to put in perspective, I will give you an overview of what the graphic novel is. And I will just say that everything that's different from the graphic novel to the movie is Bruce Tim trying to make the graphic novel make sense. That's all the, that's all the adaptation is, is Bruce Tim saying, okay... 
this doesn't make sense. I have to write like in the margins. So this is why this happened. So basically what you're saying is as much as we love Bruce Tim, he loves to polish turds. Yes, this is this movie is literally Bruce Tim polishing the turd that is Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. And to 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 understand my distaste for the Superman Batman Public Enemies graphic novel is to understand that I think Superman Batman as a series, as a comic series, is dumbing down of of icons because the original title that trade paperbacks and graphic novels were given when Superman and Batman teamed up in the nineties and the eighties and the seventies was World's Finest. Yep. And then afterwards it became a descriptive title. Oh, it's just Superman Batman. It, it's it's so dumbed down stupid. And the in the the storyline in Public Enemies is the following in the graphic novel. Right. There's a kryptonite asteroid hanging to, or, towards Earth. Lex Luthor announces Superman's responsible somehow. And everyone believes him because he's the president. At what point do they send Bruce Willis up to take care of this? <laughs> oh, bad Armageddon joke. <laughs> they did, but it wasn't It wasn't ten times cooler than Armageddon, I swear. I just need a space rock. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... What happens is Superman's now on the lam, and only Batman believes him. So they're teamed up together, trying to trying to figure out how what Lex Luthor is doing. And this culminates to a fight in Antarctica in in issue four. That I actually shared with Neil because I wanted to make sure that I had a witness to to verify what happens in this issue four of Superman Batman Public Enemies. Superman and Batman are you know Lex Luthor sends Hawkman. And Captain Marvel to take in Superman and Batman. And in the fight, Superman says, castling like the chess move and throws Captain Marvel at Batman. And Batman drop kicks Captain Marvel into a mountain hard enough to make him fucking revert into Billy fucking Batson. <laughs> now, yeah. the animated movie <laughs> doesn't have that. No, Bruce Tim. Scribbled that out and wrote, Batman uses a missile. The animated movie makes the graphic novel just insignificant. The, the, the animated movie, for me, is is way better. Uh, simply because of the fact that you have Tim Daly, Kevin Conroy, Clancy, Clancy Brown. Brown. You know, you have... Essentially, because Wonder... I don't think Wonder Woman... I don't even... It, it, no, she wasn't. She was, Yeah. Essentially, those three voice actors are the big three of DC animation when it comes to their respective characters. Um, and that's really what sells the movie for me, is, is them voice. Even the fact that I don't like the animation on Batman's model in this movie, Kevin Conroy still sells it. This, to me, is a lot better for his voice to fit to the animation than Gotham Knight ever was. Hence why I, I didn't want to be on Gotham Knight. <laughs> because Gotham Knight, I watched it, and I immediately, because I I rented it, I never bothered to pick it up. Despite it having Conroy and my liking him playing Batman, that movie was utter garbage. But I, I can see where Tim Daly, Kevin Conroy, Clancy Brown fit their respective roles in this because they actually look like their their Justice League and uh, original series counterparts. Mm -hmm. uh, Amanda Waller is also played by the same actress from Founder. Justice League. Yeah, the only and I'm going to get this out of the way right now. Okay, I'm a fat guy. 
I don't care if people are fat, skinny, or whatever else. I'm sorry. The animation style for this movie versus the comic book art versus what Amanda Waller looked like in Justice League Unlimited, that scene literally nearly made me puke. Yeah, it's the problem it's, I have with this animation style is they're trying to Bruce Timothy Ed McGinnis's shitty artwork. And, okay, I'm going to get a lot of emails. I don't care. Ed McGinnis is a shitty artist. <laughs> Oh, wow. he, he, he draws everything like like uh, he's doing a parody of Akira Toriyama doing Super Saiyan 2. It, it's, he's calling oh, you out, Ed. <laughs> uh, uh, Ed knows. Ed knows. I don't like his work, but uh, but uh, let me let me let me finish the brief synopsis of the comic just really quickly because I'm almost well, done. We're here with to it. talk about the movie, though. I know, but but yeah. to talk about the the movie, we have to talk about the the source material and how the source material differs. All right, from the, go ahead. All right. And and basically, what happens is Superman and Batman, you know, disguise themselves as Hawkman and Captain Marvel to show up at the White House to sort of give Lex Luthor a scare. Lex Luthor kisses Amanda Waller and injects himself with liquid kryptonite, which only years ago almost killed him. And to put on the the Silver Age green power armor suit to fight Superman once more, and and then they go to the Fortress of Solitude where they team up with Toy Man, where they uh, pay Toy Man to build a composite Superman robot, which is half Superman, half Batman, to destroy the asteroid. And Superman pays him with, well, what, what Toy Man in one of the comics was a date with Power Girl. And Superman's like, no, I can't do that. How about I give you an exact robot duplicate instead? Wow. And then, and then Toy Man just goes, I'm going to wreck this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then... Captain Adam flies the robotic monstrosity towards the asteroid, and all through the flight there, he's thinking, gee, I can't be as good as Superman Batman. I can't be as heroic as Superman Batman. I'll never be as great as them. Look at them. They're great. They're best of friends. I will never be that. All while he's flying to his doom. And then it gets destroyed, and everybody has a hearty laugh at the end, and that's how the graphic novel is. And I have to hand it to Bruce Tim. He did what I said. He made changes from the source material to make the story make fucking sense. He had this part in the beginning where where Lex Luthor asks Superman to go on the mission in the space and he has, you know, Metallo disguised as an astronaut and like shows like hastily cut footage to make it look Superman went crazy. You know, he had that, so all of a sudden all of a sudden it's a little bit more credible that all the heroes think Superman's turned bad now versus just Lex Luthor said so, which was in the graphic novel. Right, yeah. Yeah. No. And, and like I said, instead of Batman drop kicking Captain Marvel into a mountain, no, he uses a missile. So that's, again, a little bit more credible. Yeah. Now, when did this comic come out? Because I could swear that I, speaking of that, that giant robot, I could swear that I've seen this episode of Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking. It, it was, it was, it was the early 2000s. It was a, Oh, yeah, so 2003, was, 2003. So it wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, Dexter's Lab referencing that. It was more like the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's oh. and like like I said, it's it. When, whenever Jeff Loeb writes Superman, he writes Superman as super duper creepy because he builds sex dolls and gives them to teenagers. Okay. That's just not right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. And like wow. I said, I, I'm giving Bruce Tim credit. I'm giving Bruce Tim credit that somebody up ahead probably told him, "Okay, we have to adapt Superman, Batman, Public Enemies into a, into a movie." But the thing that strikes me so much is every single change in the adaptation is him trying to make the story make sense. And yet, 
Batman still gets thrown around and crushed and knocked into walls and yeah. doesn't ever sustain any sort of injury. Well, you know, the thing about this movie is, and the thing about any of these movies really, but this one specifically, and I think Bruce Tim said this, I don't remember, I think I remember hear, hearing him say this about adapting it, is that, as Ben said, you have to have it make sense for the main, like, okay, Superman, Batman, World's Finest, all that stuff, those comic books, comic book readers are going to be, you know, people who are invested like Ben, you know, in comic books, those are the people that are going to read those books. But for a mainstream audience, you have to make the adaptation make sense. To be fair, the original graphic novel didn't make sense, even to a comic reader. Jeff Loeb is that shitty a writer. Right, right. But that is still overlooked versus, like, okay, if it doesn't make sense to comic book readers, it that's kind of like, hey, here you go, here it is. Who cares if it makes sense? We don't care about our readers whatsoever. We reboot in 52 and blah, 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 all the friggin' time. But whereas, you know, these animated films, these direct dv animated films have to make sense, sort of. Some and, but I'm, I'm still I'm still sorry. It's it's it, I, it. That's still just the funniest thing to me, because I've never seen an adaptation happen before where the person who's adapting it is explicitly making the adaptation changes just to make the story make sense. I've never seen that before. Well, Bruce, Tim cares. Neil, what about you for thoughts on this one? Well, as I was getting into the I, I this comes off as kind of like a Batman way, because. Oh there yeah. There were plenty of times in this in this movie that Batman, you know, he should have just been dead. <laughs> I mean, he he was fighting uh I always get I always get the two mixed up. It was it Metallo? Yeah, Metallo. Yeah, he's fighting Metallo and Metallo should have just killed him. Yeah. And somehow he survived. He used Superman as a as a shield to uh block a thermite grenade, I think, or whatever the hell that was. And I'm just like, "What the hell? This guy should be dead. He's just a normal guy." <laughs> They don't try to write it. Well, the thing is this. Like I said, there's enough of the Jeff Loeb DNA in the story that it still doesn't quite make it there. But like I said, Bruce Tim probably – what this feels like is Bruce Tim should have been the editor-in-chief of DC Comics because that's what he's doing here. He's the editor. <laughs> Although I got to call Bruce Tim out on one part because Bruce Tim put Batman in the uh, in the pilot seat at the end of the movie. And that should have killed Batman too. Well, you know what? At least they had the ejection pod versus Captain Marvel thing. Gee, I could never be as great as Batman or Superman. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I honestly think putting Batman in the pilot seat... Of the monstrosity? ...was a reference to the end of Justice League Justice Season League. 2 when he was piloting the Watchtower. Oh, yeah. But like I said, it's at least they like made an ejection pod, you right. know, which makes more sense than, oh, by the way, this is a one-way ticket, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Captain, Marvel, Captain Adam, you go, you're not as popular as the, as the title characters. <sighs> oh, you, you're right, and I'll just keep on thinking about how come that's true. And my only other point here is that I got I to bring up Power Girl, because I'm... <laughs> oh, this Power, line I'm, sucked! Yeah, the thing is, I know Power Girl's hair is supposed to be really short, but usually it has a little bit more volume than that. I mean, it's just kind of this weird... I don't know what you would call that. Hairstyling with the animation aficionados. No, yeah. it's not even just that. It's her whole her whole body design just didn't have the it just didn't have the power and the oomph in it. It was like it was it was like a caricature caricature of the oomph without the power. I mean, it's honestly who really pays attention to Power Girl other than her boobs? That's what I mean. What we need is the uh, the Amanda Connor version stat. 
Well, what we need is the Call Me Poe version stat. What about you, Steve? What are your thoughts on Public Enemies? Well, honestly, I'd have to say, um, other than uh, Under the Red Hood, I'd have to say this is my favorite next to that. Uh, Just because you have the return of those specific voice actors, you have some of the Timverse type of animation to this, but not... 100% 100% that direction. It's more of a gritty version. Yeah, and you have tons of references as well. To the- oh, yeah, and and you have, like, damn near, you know, every hero or villain showing up with the exceptions of, you know, some of the main Justice League members yeah. or, you know, the Joker and, and, and some of those other ones, but uh, you do have a lot of them showing up in here, and it, you know, despite what you guys know about the comics of it, uh, I'd say that they did it really well with this uh, animated version. You know, I do have to praise it for one thing. It's a uh, they didn't have. There was a they basically gave a lot of. There was a Supergirl character in the comics that wasn't any of the Supergirls you all know. I know that for sure because she was only around for like six months. Uh, Sorel mm-hmm. and Sorel, by the way, was like was like Lois Lane and Superman's daughter from the future travel back in time. And oh, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, yeah, and they basically gave a lot of power, power girl a lot of her lines. Thank you, Bruce Tim. Oh wow! I mean, Power Girl was pretty much pointless, other than to help move some of the dialogue along. Power yeah, girl. And, uh, and by the way, and by the way, this is this is Sorel, and yeah, like I said, I'm just glad that she didn't show up because that would have required more explaining, and yeah. her design was terrible. Yeah. Um. Oh. <laughs> So, Power Girl, a.k.a. Chloe Sullivan. Wow, I forgot all about that Allison Mack voiced Power Girl. <laughs> well, if they would have given Power Girl that kind of hair, it might have looked <laughs> yeah, better. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm kind of transitioning over to the voice actors because there's a couple in here. There's one particular in here that I didn't even re- – it didn't even register with me. Um We've had many Alfreds in animation over the years. Of course, Ephraim Zimblis Jr. is the main one that we know. But, um... Yeah! Skeletor is Alfred! Wow, Alan Oppenheimer voiced Alfred in this. I did not know that. You know, he also voiced the butler in Big O. I have no idea what's going on. Okay, the Big O is... (laughs) It's an anime. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't do anime, so... Well, it's actually really funny because Big O is pretty much, uh, pretty much <laughs> an American well, I, product. It, it's pretty, yeah. Big O is pretty much like the Japanese trying to do Batman, but with a mecha, and uh, and the main character has a butler who, and it's kind of like, like Voltron. Average. It's kind of like Voltron, where the only people who really care about it are Americans. Oh, yeah. oh okay. It, it was canceled in Japan, and Adult Swim paid for the second season. <laughs> <laughs> Adult Swim will pay for anything. Um, except for your, except for your DVDs. Well, adults will pay for anything, seeing as how they show a bunch of Family Guy reruns. Anyway, um, the other one that kind of really threw me, and I had to actually click on the link and look it up because they list Michael Goff as Hawkman and uh, Captain Cold, but it is not the Michael Goff that played Alfred in uh, in Batman '89 and Returns and all that stuff. It's a different person. But every time I just see that name, it always makes me think of the live-action Alfred from the Batman movies. Oh, that's another thing. It's uh, I'm trying to remember if this movie actually gave uh, 
Hawkman the goddamn Eye of Horus glove. Did it? I don't remember. Okay, in the comics, when when Batman and Superman decided to switch opponents and Batman gave the kick that shouldn't have ever happened, Hawkman gave the punch that never should have happened, where Hawkman punched out Superman with a magic glove called the Eye of Horus. Wow. (laughs) That's... Wow. Yeah. Uh... I love anyway. I don't know. I love this bit of trivia. At one point, Batman tells Superman it's your funeral, to which Superman replies he already had one. Obviously, he's referring uh-huh. to the aftermath of his first battle with Doomsday. However, when I first heard that line, the first thing I thought of was uh, here- hereafter. Yep. They've made so many references in this movie to Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, to the DCAU. That's the only thing that I can always think of when it comes to those little quips is that's the first thing I go to. Uh, And, of course, uh, the box office for this, um, 8 million, around 8 million, and it was 535,656 units sold. So this – I almost wish this would have made more money than Doomsday – (laughs) <laughs> Why? Then you'll just encourage Jeff Loeb to write more shitty comics. But then Bruce Tim can always polish them. Yeah. <laughs> this was a, this was a, this wasn't a perfect polish. Let's be honest with each other here. Like this wasn't a perfect polish. There was a much there was too there was enough of the Loeb DNA here to taint the product. So, you know, I'm not as invested. Well, actually, I'm not invested in the comics at all. So my my perspective on this movie is not exactly what Ben's is. It's I don't I'm not saying that I really love this movie, but if I take it as a as a campy approach, I can appreciate it. Just be, and then all the all my comments about how Batman should have died will just kinda of go away. Right. And, I mean Toy Man was okay. Uh well he kept on he kept on he kept on mentioning Power Girl's boobs. Well, badly well, drawn boobs at those. I'm sorry. That her design was was not good in this. <laughs> It could have been better, but Steve, any other thoughts? Well, I wouldn't say that it's one hundred percent perfect, but it's it's quite possibly one of the best out of all the animated ones, next to like you know the uh, Under the Red Hood and uh, the Justice League Crisis of Two Earths. Um, yeah. But I I think that being that you're from a comics perspective that it it's not as good to you whereas to me having little to no experience with modern uh Batman comics except for what I collected growing up and what little I've read now I don't particularly pay too much attention to the comics or the writers or anything associated with it whether it be good or bad uh so that that's why in my opinion this movie is better than what you would probably rate it yeah. um so speaking of the rating for the IGN replacement crew, Steve, we actually added a zero. And Neil, what is the zero? The zero is find someone who owns this and punch them in the mouth. <laughs> That's hilarious. So Steve, that would be Gotham Knight for me. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what That's we rated Gotham. That's what Knight. we rated it on. <laughs> uh, Steve, zero to four. What do you give this? I uh, give it a four. Neil, um, you know I'll. What what was three again? Three is Netflix, but it's not actually on Netflix Instant. You can get it through DVD on Netflix, but there, it's not on the actual instant streaming anymore, which sucks. 
Mm. You know what? I'll I'll give it a, a two. I mean, I can't quite recommend spending money on it, but you know, it, it's worth seeing. <laughs> ten dollars? You can't throw away ten dollars? Well, in this economy, who can? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen worse shit go for ten dollars. Yeah. True. Uh, ben, what about you? I'll give it a two because I think it's worth seeing just because, like I said, if you've read the graphic novel, you have to, I have to commend Bruce Tim for going out of his way to actually not do the graphic novel straight up and actually try to fix it. I have to give him credit for that because he could have gone straight up and just did a direct adaptation, but no, he cared enough to try to make the story make logical sense. So I had to give him credit to say, yes, you have to watch it. I would never spend money on it. <laughs> And as far as the home media, it was released on standard DVD and single and double disc editions along with high-definition Blu-ray release on September 29, 2009. Special features for the double disc edition include an inside look of Wonder Woman, Batman Gotham Knight, Justice League The New Frontier, and Green Lantern First Flight, DC Comics 2009 crossover event Blackest Night, two production featurettes, a sneak peek of Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, trailers for Green Lantern, First Flight, Fringe, for some strange reason. I don't know why there's a Fringe trailer on a superhero DVD, and Batman Arkham Asylum, digital copy download. Uh, Two episodes of Superman the Animated Series picked by Bruce Timm. The Blu-ray edition has all the features of the double-disc standard definition release, including three additional Justice League episodes selected by Tim. So with that, I think we're going to take a break here on Tooncast Beyond. You're going to hear some ads, hopefully none with really, really horrible, horrible music, uh, stuff that we've already vetoed for ads. And we'll be back after this. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. You can now hear the Geekcast Radio Network while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Geekcast Radio, you'll have a chance to win money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. During registration, hit the promo code box and enter Geekcast Radio, all one word, to get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episodes of the shows will be waiting for you and your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand. No syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code Geekcast Radio when you register. The Beast Unleashed podcast is over, not gone. You can hear more of this great podcast discussing all the episodes of Beast Wars and Beast Machines on GeekCastRadio.com. We include voice actor and writer interviews with stellar hosting by Steve, Mike, and Michael. Head on over to iTunes or the net or else I will send you my vehicles to extract your spark and destroy you. <laughs> yes. 
Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the Geekcast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to TuneCast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find TuneCast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. The legendary issue four. All right. Yeah, there's... Oh, my God. The kiss looks worse with, with Ed McGinnis' artwork. Just, that was a horrible scene. That was such a horrible... It, it's like, why did he even bother, like, face-raping her? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Oh, god damn, the Eye of Horus. Uh, no, it's the Claw of Horus, pardon me. Oh, wow. Just the cover alone looks horrible. Yeah, that's Ed McGuinness's I mean, artwork. He's, he's literally nearly... I mean, if Hawkman had his other arm wrapped around Batman, he would be spooning him. Holy crap, what the hell? He yeah he'd be like yeah I love how how the mace looks like a rattle yeah it does I'm gonna throw a tantrum and you're gonna like it <laughs> All it's right. like Superman's got black tears coming out of his eyes yeah just 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 look through this really quickly because you have to see this oh my <laughs> god the kiss <laughs> every time I scroll I just see the kiss I'm like oh my god no. Yeah, it's like I... he's kissing the Snorlax. Wow, this is stupid that they're even in space and <laughs> yeah, it gets but worse. I can't, I can't even like. I saw the cover. That's all I need to see at this point. Because if I see the kiss again, I swear to God, I'll puke all over my keyboard, and I do not need to replace my keyboard at this oh, point. Come in time. on, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. The captain. Oh my God, this the Power Girl that's actually drawn this comic is shittier than the one in the animation. <laughs> And then the uh, the the guy that's nuclear energy uh, looks like he's doing Kamehameha's out of his hands. <laughs> this is so early '90s yeah. drawing. Yeah, tell me when you get to the part with uh, with the the kick that that reverts Captain Marvel back into Billy Batson. It's on page uh, it's on page twenty. I can't believe that this actually happened. See the kick. I, I, I... <sighs> yeah, there's no way Batman's going to kick him into a wall. Mountain. Yeah, he they did a good job removing some of the garbage from this. Yeah. <laughs> now do you understand now do you understand why? <laughs> you just know that Jeff Lowe wrote that scene. He's like, This is gonna be so awesome, he's gonna kick him into a mountain. <laughs> he first on it just like that with his nasally self. I'm still just amazed at how how bad that Ed McGinnis's artwork is in this. I mean people swear Ed McGinnis is great with superheroes, but I'm looking at this and I'm like Oh my god, the cover. Just look at how Batman's ribcage ends and his abs begin. Look at that. Neil, tell me what's wrong with that as an artist. Oh, I'm not even looking at it. Uh... (laughs) The sight repulses him. Oh, hell. Cannot watch it too well. (laughs) No, this is is actually, yeah, and then the kiss. 
But I found the rudest kiss I've ever seen. Say hell no, that son of a bitch had an axe. I don't know. That son of a bitch had an axe. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> well. Oh, I'm looking at this. I, I'm almost having flashbacks to the uh, to the Liefeld uh, uh, Captain America. It's not quite that bad, but it's... Just look at how the ribcage ends and the abs begin. Yeah, I can see that. It's like... That doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> Master. I just want you all to understand that I'm not... You know, my hatred of the source material isn't unwarranted. And I'm yeah. not denying that it is. I'm just saying that for someone... For people like me and Steve who aren't... As hey, I gave him credit of... Not doing the drop kick. <laughs> I totally did, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Neil, final thoughts on Public Enemies? Um, not a complete train wreck. Actually, it's it's okay. I uh, like I said, I, I'm not invested in the comic, so I can take it for what it is without without being tainted by the uh, the the source material. Yes. I particularly, I'm, I'm just now, because I didn't comment on it earlier, I really love Toy Man's line of, yeah, I made the robot back when I was big into superhero worship. <laughs> I thought he made it back when he was big in Dexter's lab. God. Um, he did get all that my little butter, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I really like this movie. This is one of my favorites out of the ones that we've done, out of the ones we've reviewed so far. Uh this is high and above both Doomsday and Gotham Knight. What about you, Steve? Um, well, yeah, this is a hell of a lot higher than Doomsday or Gotham Knight. I mean, those are just the bottom of the barrel. That I wouldn't even like show those to anybody I know. I would <laughs> I'd have to agree. I'd have to punch him in the face and burn it. But um no, uh, I I would say that this one, Public Enemies, is uh, I'll I'll give it that it's not not the greatest and it's it's got horrible source material. <laughs> Which I just showed them. Yes, yes as I've, as I've seen. But Bruce Tim did do a very good job making it into something that is uh at least enjoyable and watchable for the general public that haven't been scarred permanently by the source material. And Ben, I give it two bat drop kicks into a mountain. <laughs> Thank you for joining us here on Tooncast Beyond and the Animation Aficionados crossover. There are several ways to get in contact with us to leave feedback for the show. Visit the Call website. The what? Uh-oh. Call the voicemail. Uh, shut up. The, We're not even the down there yet, damn it. Uh, visit the websites, geekcastradio.com and animationaficionados.com. You can comment on each of our episode posts. Leave the show's feedback in iTunes. Please do this. Follow us on Twitter. Shown in there is Tooncast Beyond, uh, A Aficionados for them, minus TFG on Mike. Steve, what is your Twitter? SCP21. Become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash geekcast, radio network, and animation aficionados. Call the voicemail line. Tell us to show you leaving the message for and your name. 502-526-5821. Shut up, Steve. Join it. Shut up, Steve. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of Tooncast Beyond and animation aficionados. Wish you'll join us next time when we will be continuing the DC Universe animated movie spotlight with Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. For now, I am TFG1 Mike with Steve Megatron Phillips, TV's Mr. Neil, and Ben the host. Thank you for listening. Until next time.
Goodbye. Good night. <laughs> you guys forgot your lines. What the hell? Fired. Terrorize. Neil, you can use the turd polish as as the uh, as the show image or the image of Batman drop kicking Captain Marvel. I'll let you pick. I oh, I oh. choose drop kicking. <laughs> you can put the turd image in the post in the. In, well, in don't the actually show. put a turd in there. <laughs> well, it's the, 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 I had an image of turd polish, or we could put the kiss as the image. No, oh. I will kill you. Are you trying to <laughs> like get rid of listeners? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, there's one guy who already said he stopped listening to us because we 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 slam on everything. And <laughs> oh, that person, that person's never going back. I don't care about that person. <laughs> I think Steve and I are going to have a conversation without you guys, so we will talk to you guys next week. I think we'll okay. it's a pretty good record for for, for okay. the four of us doing it. Okay, um, Neil and I have a conversation without you guys. Yeah, well, you always do. So you know, I'm not surprised that. At least Ben talks behind my back all the time. I don't talk about you behind your back. I say right. the same things to your face like I say. I, I know. I, you know, WTF G1 Mike. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, back to... Name redacted. Oh, oh God. Okay. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. Here. Uh, Toy Man, can we please see the rocket now? Sure, oh. sure. I didn't have a lot of time, so I based it on a design I whipped up when I was seven. That's why it has manual control, even though it's not going to need a pilot. Oh, one other thing. Back when I designed it, I was way into hero worship. You're absolutely sure this is going to work. Does Power Girl have big... Just feed it the numbers, kid. You got it. Wow. And now more of our video game conversations with Kitty Hawk. Wasn't there wasn't there a Batman and Rob in the video game on on the uh, Sega CD? Yeah, there was there was yeah. the one that was for Genesis and the one for Sega CD were actually pretty good. Now I'm remembering the crappy TG16 version that was done by Ocean Ocean. Ooh. That was like uh, a top-down puzzle type game. It didn't even have like any oh, music. Yeah, yeah I, I played this thing when I finally got my my TurboGrafx sixteen, and I played that, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, I heard the story about that game. Uh, conveniently enough, on Retronauts, and I forget what it was. It's a really funny story, and not, I just can't remember what the origin of it was. But I, I think it was that it, it wasn't going to be a Batman game. I, I don't remember what the story was behind that one, but I I, I played it and it was pretty um, weird. I think it's the only way to describe this game. Well, most superhero tie-in video games were not good. I mean, if you saw a superhero movie oh, tie-in video game, especially, you're like... Yeah, this is gonna be shit. The, the ultimate, the ultimate shitty like superhero game was like Superman sixty four, and I remember well, we had no, that... no, no, there's one worse. What Aquaman? Oh, I'd forgotten about Aquaman. But I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Kryptonite fog in a virtual reality world. I, I don't think you can top that. I mean, I remember that game was like. The game that got returned a lot because people would get it and then they get come back and they'd be like, "This game is shitty," and I'd be like, "Yeah." Oh, you know, we were just talking about that Turbo Graphics Batman game. I 
I was thinking that it was one of those games that uh, got screwed over by uh, by either a, a contractual obligation or a contractual agreement that <laughs> that fell that fell apart. But I could think of a couple other games like that where it was like the other way around, where they had they had a, a license tie-in and it it fell apart. One or, is one is uh, Journey to Silius. Yep. And the other one is Sunman because uh, Journey Journey to Silius was going to be a Terminator game. Yeah. And the license got taken away, and they had to convert it into this totally nonsensical, you know, futuristic uh, uh, war game. And well, the, the it, ultimate the ultimate example of that is uh, Tomb Raider. I mean, oh yeah, that was supposed to be Indiana Jones, and then and then they whoops, and then they they that. and then they made and they made a girl with the ample bosom. Yeah, and that that was that turned out the game sold would have sold actually probably sold better than it would have like if it had been an Indiana Jones game because let's be honest here it was it was not a very good game like I remember, so Pixel Laura or or realistic Laura uh, um, I like I always liked the um, the models they got because like yeah. the game like I remember the game was like. It was pretty terrible, but the thing is, is that I got it because my friend had gotten me. Uh, oh God, what was that? that stupid Aerosmith game, Revolution X? He got me Re- Revolution X for for PlayStation for Christmas, and I was like, "Thanks, let's Did, play it." And didn't like, Mark Wahlberg have a video game? Yeah, uh, I think he had one of those uh, Make My Video yeah, games. Think, yeah, CD. Oh, Journey had a video game. Well, don't stop believing. Did, that were digitized. It was yeah. yeah. Oh, remember uh, when a few weeks back I was talking about Ralph Bear trying to sue Nintendo over the Game Boy Camera, something about yeah putting putting digitized graphics into video games. Yeah. Ralph Bear had something to do with that Journey game, and uh, that's where the, I think that's where that patent came from. He, okay. he filed a, he filed a patent about that has something to do with putting digitized graphics in games, and a Game Boy Camera came along. He's like, you can't do that. And, uh, I think Nintendo beat him on that. Okay, yeah. it's uh, look, it's uh, journey. <laughs> I don't care what you say. Ralph Bear's patent is nowhere near as patent trolly as uh, Ralph Bakshi's patent on rotoscoping. That's true, but still. yeah, yeah, you heard right, people. Ralph Bakshi put a patent out on tracing. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the the Fleischers were already doing it before that patent even existed. Yeah, yeah. Look it up. Yeah, Ralph actually actually submitted a patent to rotoscoping, and and I showed it to Neil. Neil's like, I showed Neil the the technical drawing for it, and Neil's like, "What the fuck is this?" But if you're going to talk about patent trolling, how about uh, how about all the patent trolling goes on in the video game uh, industry, where somebody draws something on a napkin and submits it. And then basically well, sits around and waits for the video game companies. Well, I mean, like, I mean, like the current thing going on with like smartphones, where they're all like holding a gun to each other's head and saying, "Well, I own this patent. I own this patent. I own this patent." It's like, just shut up. Everything is built on everything else. Let's move yeah. on. Let's just make. Let's make just let. Let's just make some goddamn phones and move on. Yeah, let's make some video games. Let's make some phones. Let's get over this crap. But you know. I guess we're going to keep arguing whether, you know, this button sort of looks like this button on this other tablet at that bevel of a, uh, that 25% bevel 
you know, that 25 degree pivot is like copy. No, no. It's, it's rectangles or rectangle. Yeah. But... Yeah. It's like, no, but I know why there's this fighting. It's just basically let's try to cut each other's legs from each other. Even though like now we're like stump people. Well, well, the jobs well, himself you know, revealed why he did it. It was a personal vendetta for well, him. Yeah. Because like, I mean, he was very pissed off that Google had put out a phone, which, you know, they have the right to do that. But the thing is, is that, Jobs had all the right in the world to say, I'll crush them. <laughs> but, I mean, it was actually, they started this little patent fight when they just started buying up little companies in order to get patents and in order to fight each other. So they sort of, I mean, I, I forgot who fired the first shot, but it doesn't really matter because I'm sort of like, guys, I don't care. I just want some damn phones. And if like, <laughs> someone would like bring out, like, you know, decent phone that's all i want but we can you know we gotta argue about like you know bevels and buttons and well i patented uh the use of fingers well i patented being alive oh okay. uh well, you that... made a joke about somebody patenting the the rectangle uh i think uh james randy was actually going to try to patent the circle just to make a point actually i think, I, patent. I think actually uh, there is a patent for having a device be a rec- rectangular shape and i forgot apple who- has it apple has it and it's the most ridiculous patent ever well i know yeah. I, I know ibm has a few patents too like i think everyone has like a variation on that patent I know, just, but Apple Apple's is based. No, I know, I know. I, I have a, I have a rectangle with a screen in it that's also yeah. like a rectangle. And like, and like yeah. I'm 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 just sort of the opinion. Who fucking cares? I mean, is it really going to? It does it really help you to have that patent? No. Does it really like? At the end of the day, the only reason I buy the iPhone is because I like it, and I don't care if like someone else makes another rectangular phone. If it's better than the iPhone, I'll go buy it. If it isn't, well. But back to back to the video games. Uh, yeah, back to video. Well, well, one thing I have to say is related to video games. One, one thing yeah. I have to say is I love the early box art from like the eighties and the nineties. Oh. It's sort of dead now. Everything's all rendered and stuff, and it doesn't look as good as that beautiful oh, painting. So the water well, the watercolor stuff from like the er, the late seventies, early eighties is like some of my. It's like actually one of my favorite styles. Like especially and, uh, in television art, bro. And then uh, there is the epic Mega Man. Yeah. Oh, Fox well, is epic. The the let's not let's not reveal that this is Japanese uh, art that's yeah. going on back then. <laughs> what, what I love is the the Mega Man and Mega Man Two boxes look nothing like Mega Man. So uh, they're they're just so bad. I know it was. And, then, of, and then you know what the Japanese did when they made Mega Man the. Yeah, Nine. I saw that Mega Man Nine. They they they, they embraced it. They embraced it they're like we're gonna do this shitty American art. Well, I mean, it, it, <laughs> I remember that whole era. You you would buy a game and have the shitty American art on it, <laughs> and then you would open up the manual and it'd be all Japanese art, and you'd be like, yeah. "What the fuck?" I know, but that's what I love is the Japanese embracing. Like we're gonna oh, yeah. do, we're gonna do it. And the Mega Man Nine. Box well, art is glorious. Well, because it was ridiculous. Why not? I mean, it was just such so stupid. I mean, I'm trying to remember. Like, I remember in uh, in Nintendo Power, they'd always have the Americanized art, and I actually liked the artist who did all the the artwork. You know, that semi RPG looking artwork. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there was this obsession with we can never never show you Japanese art. Because then you'll be just turned away from this. What? 
Yeah, the Mega Man Nine cover is excellent. And, is, and isn't it ironic that that was some of the the best time for uh, Japanese art was back I in know. the eighties? I know, I know, and like and I want to see Chrono- girls with blue hair. Well, then Chrono Trigger came out, and yeah. like they used the the Toriyama artwork. Oh, you could never say no to Toriyama. Well, yeah, I mean, it was you saw that Toriyama artwork, and I think that was when everyone just said, "Fuck it, we're just going to use." the Japanese artwork. Cause at the, that point, like anime was already starting to get, it was starting to ramp up. That was about the time that Sailor Moon had come out and then Dragon Ball. So the attitudes were changing, but I do remember I, I had been in Japan. So like when I'd see the American art, I'd be like, why are they doing this? But, but it's so epic. I love the bad. No, no, no. I, I love no, it. I love that too. There's a, there's a special place in my heart for the shitty American <laughs> art, but Oh man, and like I think the biggest the like the biggest uh offender was like Sega. Like the artwork they had on those Master System games where it was like the grid pattern oh, and they had a crappy artwork on there. Yeah. Oh. No, I think the biggest offender was Turbo Graphics. Talk about some wretched art. <laughs> oh god. I mean I mean, okay, so you play the games and they have beautiful artwork inside the game. But the art the cover art, it was just I liked the TG-16, and I actually didn't own one until, like, much, much later. Because, you know, like I said, I couldn't afford all the systems. But I remember drooling over the TurboGrafx-16, but then I'd look at the cover art, and I'd be like, this is terrible. What was the system that had the same power as an arcade cabinet? That could even uh, take the arcade the, ca- the Neo Geo. Yeah, the Neo Geo. I love their advertisement. Oh, like, they showed a big two, two big ball bearings that says, you need a pair of these to play one of these. I, I loved Neo Geo. Like I loved, I always wanted a Neo Geo. Like, but I couldn't. I couldn't dream of yeah. paying the least. It was what, like seven hundred dollars for what it. What they should have done was show like a couple diamond mines and say, <laughs> "You need a pair of these to get to get this." Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I, I remember I, looking at it. I was like, "Wow, those games look awesome, and those are those are great graphics." How big were those I'm damn cartridges? Those cartridges uh, were, were, were like the size of like. Bigger than the Xbox controller. They were bigger than VHS tapes. (laughs) Yeah, I think they were like eight, like ten inches by. No, not ten. They were about eight inches by, by four. And they had dual ten out. They're they're bigger than the Duke. Yeah, they they were huge, but but that's because these were arcade. These were meant to be in arcade machines. I mean, like they did make home carts, but if you had an adapter, you could just play them on the home machine. But even the the home well like I I always wanted one and so I thought okay I'll wait till these things go down in price but Neo Geo's have never really gone down in price because the graphics were still good ten years into the system like because like Garo looks freaking gorgeous that's one of the last ones I did but uh but it always remained expensive and I've never gotten one just because like. I can't. I can't justify shelling out seven hundred dollars for a console, even oh, if it has like one of my favorite games on it. Oh, fortunately, what? there's a couple collections on the PS2 that you can get, and there's virtual consoles. Oh, yeah, yeah, up. yeah. Like I, I have Twinkle Star sprites for for Dreamcast and for Saturn, and that's like my favorite Neo Geo game. And I also emulated it, but I would like to own an original cartridge of it. But the cheapest I've ever seen the cartridge go for is five hundred dollars. Oh, so I'm looking yeah. at so I'm looking at a and I would like to get a cabinet because like I have a cabinet of Donkey Kong Jr. which I found on the side of the road. Literally, does it work? Oh yeah, it it, it had a it had a shot 
Um, the speakers were shot, and I think the power supply was shot. <laughs> but we we fixed that, and it works. And then the Miss Pac-Man, which came from Huntsville, the Na- you know from NASA, Huntsville, Alabama. She, yeah, they had a they had an auction. I used and, to live there. Yeah, you feel yeah. And uh, well, what happened is is like my husband went up to this is before he was my husband. He went up there to bid on like stuff that NASA was getting rid of. And this Pac-Man was one of them. And it actually has like on the side places where like the people who were working on the rockets were playing the games and they left their like, there's like hand marks on the side of the, of the machine. Where yeah, they well, who's, who has the high score B Aldrin? Uh, unfortunately they unplugged it. So oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I just would like to, you know, you know, uh, you know, N Armstrong, B Aldrin. It's like when you said the DK machine was shot, I thought you were going to say there was a bullet in it or something. No, no. <laughs> well, off the side of the road in Alabama, that's why I picture. It was next to a pawn shop, next to the um, like it was it was next to the road, next to the uh the the dumpster at the pawn shop, and I think they just didn't want to pay for a new power supply, so I was like, well, I'll gladly take that. Thank you with the original art and the original glass. <laughs> That's I'll be taking. Yeah, so I know. Have you ever heard how uh, how Miss Pac-Man came to be? It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It was. I think it was like two college guys who like did a ROM hack. Yeah, it back was in a, eighty eighty one, they did a ROM hack of uh, of Pac-Man. Yeah, it was, and, uh, and that's how Midway was formed. Yeah, well, I think well, Midway was already uh, yeah, publishing but, Pac-Man. But, okay, uh, yeah, that's right. And they like, they got they got a hold of these guys and they bought it. Yeah, and. It. Namco found out about it, was really pissed, and they kind of forced them to sell this Pac-Man to Namco. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot, there was, oh, and then, like, Nintendo with the whole Donkey Kong versus Universal Studios with King Kong. And then they were they were told they should just drop it. Yeah, I mean, also, you were going up against Nintendo, who, even though they seem like a small company, probably had better lawyers. Oh, uh, one thing I have well, to they, say is, uh, you know... We talk about lots of things that tie in with video games. You know, they make cartoons that tie in with yeah. video games, but there's one thing that that is hilarious to me about video game tie-ins: novelizations. Mm-hmm. Oh what novelizations? novelizations. Oh, the, oh, the Halo novelization. No, no, those those aren't even the worst. Uh, let me tell you a story about a four novel series about a first-person shooter game that are some of the most horrible science fiction I've ever read. Which one? Doom. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. How do you novelize Doom? Okay, uh, let me tell you the story. The first oh, book is actually uh, is actually almost a complete walkthrough. Okay. And the story the, the main the main character is a gunnery sergeant Flynn Taggart, who uh, you know with a name like that, how could you not love him? He he uh, he, he you know he, he, he they they describe the levels in perfect detail in the novel. Oh, he's my. looking for his buddy. You know, uh, Private First Class Arlene Sanders. Wait, wait, wait a minute. His name is Taggart? Yes. Does, yeah. does he answer to anyone named uh, Hedy Lamar? No. That's Headley. Uh. No, it's a. Uh, oh, no, it's. The first novel is pretty much an exact, you know, walkthrough of the, of the first game, of the first levels of the game. Of course. But, of, of actually the whole first game. The first novel is a, a almost complete, absolute walkthrough. The second novel, you know, is, is still called Hell on Earth, but. Okay, let me put it this way: uh, all all of the world is conquered except for uh, a, a strong but 
small but strong resistance comprised of Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Oh, my God. Oh, it, my God. It gets worse. It, apparently, the United States has an IRS carrier attack fleet. Okay. And, no, this is actually hurting. This, I, uh, this, this is hurting I, me, remembering this. I, I remember these. I do remember seeing these, but I never... I was always. Uh, I, I just... What I think is what happened is this: uh, the person who wrote these books, he wrote the first book. He's like, "Okay, this is fun. This is a video game book." And like I said, it if you wanted to like buy a walkthrough with no pictures, yeah, Doom Number One is. Let me just, just a think. Yeah, the whole point of view of the first book is Flynn's point of view, and anytime Arlene shows up, uh, Flynn goes into deep detail about Arlene's breasts. Yeah, moving on, Doom 2 is, like, really, really weird because it turns out that the, the Doom demons are not from hell. They're genetically engineered by these aliens called the Freds. <laughs> and the Freds are in eternal war with uh, these other aliens, good aliens called the Claves. And the Claves always come in pairs of twins, and they look like giant blue gorillas. Okay. And then there's a third novel. Oh, my called Infernal Sky, which is about them meeting the claves and going into space. And the fourth novel, Endgame, which is existential bullshit. It's, it's, like, what I think happened is the writer, you know, first novel was like, oh, I'm, this is a video game book. And second one and third and fourth is like, you know what, I'm the second coming of Robert freaking Heidlin. <laughs> Except he's not. Was it even written by the same guy? I think so. Let me check. Well, sometimes, sometimes uh, the guys will they'll have like two or three guys that all write under the same pen name. I mean, all the Robotech books are like that. There is yeah, there is no no guy by that name. Uh, yeah, it's written by the same two guys. Man, well, actually, there's a Wikipedia article about these books. No, I, I I bet there is. I mean, there you go. I, I remember I remember these books. Now, I do remember the Halo novelizations, and I know people who seriously read those, and I was like, okay. But, I mean, I, th- this is coming from the girl who read the the Metroid comic, which is nothing like the freaking game, or the Zelda comic, which is nothing like the freaking game. Or You yeah. can keep going down the list of, of uh, novelizations or... Those mm-hmm. Nintendo Power comics were, were pretty good. They were, they were, but it was because Nintendo actually like cared about the American. Well, I mean the Japanese, because those were originally done, I think, for the Japanese magazine. Whereas, like, I think, and they actually cared about those. But like the Zelda one kind of bothered me a little bit because like there was that extra character and there was a. Uh, I don't know. It didn't follow the story correctly, which is why I was like, "Well, then call it some other Zelda, not don't call it Link to the Past." But whatever. We'll call it Cry Force of the Gods. Oh wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. The Doom novels are wretched, and just from hearing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. There there are worse novelizations out there. It's. But the Doom, yeah, I remember the Doom novelizations were crazy off the wall because I think my brother actually read those because he, he, not seriously, but like he was like, "You gotta check this out." <laughs> I, I remember that's how I remember seeing them. I think it was my brother was the one who introduced me to it because he was like, "You've got to see this." Did you this. actually read them? 
No, he he described. I remember him describing them to me, and I was like, okay. <laughs> I'd totally forgotten about those, but yeah, he was the one who who introduced me to those. See, he got one because I think I think either my mom got it for him or something like that, and then and then he was like, this is so stupid, and it was it was just like, why was this made? It, but then again, like, there's novelizations of. Practically everything. I remember the clone. There, let's see. Try to think of another novelization. I think there was actually a novelization for that Mario Brothers movie. Oh here. my god! I actually knew a guy in high school that insisted the Mario Brothers movie was a good adaptation. <laughs> that guy was full of shit. <laughs> well, they had a great actor in there for Mario, but oh yes, yeah, certain certainly did. Mm-hmm. And he loved doing that movie. <laughs> Hey, it was that Brooklyn accent again he's so good at for a British man. Oh, my God. I'm it sure was... he was like, I want to go back to talking to the stupid rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> What's your first name? Oh, here, here, Mar- Mario. Here's what Shigeru Miyamoto said about the Mario Brothers movie. In the end, it was a very fun project that they put a lot of effort into. But the one thing <laughs> that I still have some regrets about is that the movie might have tried to get a little too close to what the Mario Brothers video games were. You know what? That sounds like what like uh, would like a, a teacher at a special ed class says about the effort of a student. Well, but I appreciate I mean, the effort, but <laughs> but I, I, I'm now starting to question. So, like, is Miyamoto's head like a total like drug trip? Because yeah, I've always no. been convinced that. Like, there's no way he came up with all this. Like, he, he says he likes to tend his garden and and all that. He's so I'm wondering... Of, like, uh, like crazy... Uh... Or maybe he's like a cat. You know, a cat. cats produce their own version of LSD in their brains. Maybe he's like a cat and he, he like, produces his own drugs in his brain. <laughs> I mean... I, I don't see how you can say that was like the heart of Mario Brothers unless, oh my god, the, he, he sees Mario Brothers as a totally different thing. I think I remember reading that he was actually slightly autistic. No, I don't think he's actually autistic. I think he's just sort of, um, I think his deal is is that he's like a designer, so he doesn't really know how to talk like a a programmer as much. Well, I love so, this when he when he walked on stage with the Zelt with the Master Sword and the Shield. Oh I, yeah, I love his white friend too. Is uh, that that guy who's always with him translating? I call him Miyamoto's white friend. <laughs> Miyamoto's human translator. Yeah, I think he's actually part of Treehouse that uh, that group that always does the Animal Crossing translations. He just They're, sort of hired him full time to just walk with him twenty four seven to translate to English. I, I think he no, actually, I think he isn't. He isn't like that. Isn't his only job? I think he works for Treehouse, which oh, okay. they're, they're the ones who do Animal Crossing. That'd be like, so cool, though, if he was, if that was what happened. Well, yeah, that would be pretty cute. But I think I think this guy actually like he actually works on Animal Crossing. Like when Animal Crossing comes to the United States, they're the team that has to do the let's rewrite this entire game. 